the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now, here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. The message is Sacred Secret to Success. And our text is taken from 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. As we always do, we uh, read from the New International Version of the Bible. So um, let's read together. If you don't have your Bible, I think it'll be printed up there. Or you have a bulletin, I think it'll be printed there too. So to make sure that nobody misses the opportunity to... Uh, Read the Word this morning. Uh, we do everything we can to, to, to make them available for everybody to read. In the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old um, when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David has done, had done. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense on it. It was called the Nehushtan. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, in the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands of the Lord, the commands of the Lord, the commands the Lord had given Moses. And the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. From the watchtower to the fortified city, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory. What's your idea of a successful life or success in general? Let's listen to some of the most famous and successful people on how they view success. Here are some of them. There's eight of them. True success is measured by how happy you are. That's from Sir Richard Branson, the founder of the Virgin Group, which is a conglomerate of many different businesses. Fulfillment through service. That's from television personality Oprah Winfrey. Success is how much difference you make in another person's life. Uh, that's from former President Barack Obama. 
I measure success by how many people love me. That's from Warren Buffett. If you have all that money, a lot of people will love you. Trust me. To wake up in the morning with a smile on your face is success. That's from Mark Cuban, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks basketball team. Success is liking yourself, liking what you do, and liking how you do it. Uh, That's from poet Maya Angelou. Success is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. That's Thomas Edison. Finally, success is going from failure to failure without losing your enthusiasm. Uh, That's Winston Churchill. We can certainly appreciate these men and women um, and in some level agree with their ideas of what success really look like. But for us who have come to the knowledge of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, our view of a truly successful life transcends any accomplishments that we have in this temporal world. To us as Christians, success has an eternal dimension, if you will. It has an eternal aspect. To God's children through faith in Jesus, we simply do not want to be remembered by the things we accomplished here on earth, by the people we are leaving behind. And certainly long after we die, we will be remembered for the things that we have done. And success sometimes uh, is placed on the fact that of what we have accomplished right here on earth. We simply don't want to be remembered by the people who will be leaving behind. We want to be remembered, more importantly, in heaven. I want to make that emphasis. Because a truly successful life here on earth, you and I may, may or may not be remembered for our successes here, but our goal as Christians is to be remembered in eternity. It's more important for us to be remembered in heaven, remembered by God, than by anybody else. We want to be remembered by God himself. Not so much for how much we accomplish for the good of humanity, which is a good goal to have. Not so much how much difference we made to other people. That's certainly a noble and fantastic goal to have. But the trajectory of our faith, our view of truly a truly successful life is how much we glorified God in the things that we accomplish. We want to be remembered as success, to, to have successfully pursued the greatness and the glory of God. And here is the sermon in one sentence. The pursuit of a sacred relationship with God is the secret to a truly successful life. There's no substitute for that to a Christian. In our story, we find such a person in King Hezekiah. He was one of the handful of kings to rule the southern portion of the divided kingdom of Israel who truly succeeded not only in his life but in his reign as the king of a nation. 
By all accounts, Hezekiah pursued the sacredness of his relationship with God. And the Bible speaks highly of him because he succeeded on the basis of, of how he viewed his relationship with God as sacred. Now, I want you to underline sacred. That's a word that we often forget as Christians. You know, there have been many kings, not only in Judah, but in the northern part of the nation, which is Israel. There are many kings who just flat out failed because they did not pursue anything about God. In fact, they did the opposite. And even though there were a handful of kings who tried to pursue God, it didn't last, and eventually they failed. But Hezekiah was different. He pursued his relationship with God and regarded it as the most sacred pursuit in his life. He regarded that relationship with God much more than just a covenant relationship wherein he would pray to God and he would offer worship and praise to God, and in return, he would expect God to come and bless the works of his hands and everything that he does. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with worshiping God with an expectation of something from him. There's nothing wrong with that. We should. God loves us, and God does bless us. But Hezekiah pursued his relationship with God without those conditions. He decided that his relationship with God is more sacred than simply, uh, you know, expecting for God to do anything. In other words, he pursued his relationship with God without any kind of expectations of what God is going to do. He just allowed God to be God, and he pursued the glory of God, and he regarded his relationship with him as so sacred that it didn't matter to him what would have happened. To him, success hinges on how sacred he viewed his relationship with God. And that's the kind of response that we also must have today. We do expect God to bless us, but we don't honor and, and regard our relationship with God as sacred just because of what we can get in return. God's greatness and goodness to us is not shorthanded. God is never shorthanded. But we must never base our pursuit of God on the basis of what we can get out of it. And Hezekiah succeeded because he made the pursuit of that sacred relationship the prime focus of his life. Based on Hezekiah's example, we have a few things that we need to, to also absorb in our spirits this morning. Okay, On the example of our, of our story... How do we pursue that sacred relationship with God? What does that look like in our lives today? You know, these stories happen, you know, about three, 4,000 years ago. <laughs> Maybe more than that. And so how do, we, how do we apply the principles in the story of Hezekiah in our lives today? Well, I'll give you a couple of things uh, this morning, three things this morning. We pursue our sacred relationship with God by, first of all, acting according to his precepts. We act according to God's precepts. Look at verse 4 again in our text this morning. Hezekiah, it says, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David has done. 
Okay, what are God's precepts? What are these things? Precepts are God's revealed code or rule as to how His people should honor Him. Again, I say this many times to us, you know, only to us here at Living Rock, okay? Living Rock, those of us here, and every Christian for that matter, we don't get to dictate how we should honor God. We don't get to dictate that. We don't get to come up with our own way of honoring God. It is God's prerogative to be honored according to His way. So when we talk about God's precepts, we're talking about God's code, His rule as to how His people should honor Him. This includes, of course, His commandments. We should know them. This includes His decrees. We should know them. This includes His counsel and, of course, His judgments. Hezekiah made the determination to make sure that he um, acted according to God's precepts. How did he do that? He destroyed anything that took away from those precepts, from the code and the rule that God has established for his people on how they should honor him. He did that by removing the high places according to the Scriptures. What are these high places? These high places were man-made hills, okay, that the people erected. They built up this, this big, big structure, a hill, and what they do is they erected uh, several poles. Uh, it's called Asherah poles in honor of the, the god Asherah. And then they offered sacred stones, right on that hill, and they worshipped on that hill. When Hezekiah became king, that's the first thing he did. He destroyed all of that because that symbolizes or that represents the condition, the spiritual condition of the nation, the spiritual condition of the people. They had been idolatrous. They had forgotten the God of David. The God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac. They have forgotten all of that and have, they have decided to worship false deities, false gods. And they did that, you know, sacredly. And Hezekiah knew that it, that will only incur the judgment of God. And so the first thing he did was he destroyed anything that took away from God's precepts. We must do the same thing today. We must reject the pattern of this world. We must reject anything in this world that goes against the knowledge of God's honor. You know, not because we hate the world. You know, we reject the pattern of the world. We reject what the world has to offer, not because we hate the people in the world. Uh, not because we, 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 we don't want them to have their way. The world, the sinful world, will have its way, no matter what we do. But you and I, as followers of Jesus, we reject worldly philosophies, idolatrous philosophies, not because we hate the people in the world, not because we hate the world, but because we worship a living God and we know His precepts. We understand His commands, His decrees, His judgments, His counsel. We don't reject the world because we think we're better than the world or that we have more to offer to the world than what they have. No, we reject the world's philosophies 
and patterns because we want to uphold the precepts of God. We belong to God. That's our call as Christians. Not only did Hezekiah destroy the, the pagan and godless influences outside, you know what he did? He went inside too. The Bible says that he destroyed the bronze snake that Moses built, and that bronze snake was used by Moses to heal the people of snake bites when they were attacked by snakes. And you know what the people did? In the time of Hezekiah, they started offering incense. They started worshiping the snake, the bronze snake. So the, 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 the idolatry in the land was not uh, isolated to the outside, but it's happening inside the nation of God too. And that can happen in the church too. What, what, what the nation of Judah was doing at the time by worshiping that snake was that they're saying that, hey, you know, we had been, we have seen a demonstration of God's power through this snake. And, and therefore, instead of worshiping the living God, they decided to worship the object that God used to save them and to perform a miracle. And Hezekiah destroyed that. And we must destroy that too, even in the church. We're not just influenced by the idolatry in our world. We're also influenced by the idolatry inside the church. Oh, how can that happen, Pastor? No, there's no idolatry inside the church. Listen, so many people today, and it's easy to do this, they view the church simply as a haven or a sanctuary for our needs. To be clear, you should come to church because you have spiritual needs and you have other needs. To be sure, we try to take care of business when it comes to that. We try to reach out to people and help people when, they, when, when, when they're in need. But the primary focus of us being in the house of God is to worship the living God. Not for what He can do. Not for the benefits. You are not here this morning because you have a need and you need to pray. We'll pray for you, no problem. We'll give you the counsel of God's Word. But you're here this morning because of the sacredness of God's presence in this place by His Holy Spirit. Our primary focus is to lift up the name of Jesus. Now, we do not belong to the kingdom of God for its benefits, but for the advancement of God's precepts. I won't say that again. We don't belong to the church, to the kingdom of God, just because of the benefits that we get. I think we all understand that. We are here primarily for the advancement of the word of Christ and his precepts. 1 Timothy 6.14, Paul says this, I charge you to keep all his precepts without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a lifelong goal for every worshiper in this room this morning. That's our lifelong goal. That's the, that's the aim. That's the goal. Christ is the ruler of his kingdom. Not you and I. When we say we reject the world, we don't reject the world because we're mean, you know, and we've been accused so many times of being hateful, 
because of the stance that we make. As Christians, we make a stand not for our sake, but for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we, it would be a lot easier, loved ones, if we do not have to make a stand on anything. And let's just have a good time here at church. Let's, let's just handle our relationship with God, you know, just between God and yourself. And let's, let's just be quiet about it. But we make certain stands and, 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 and bring that to the world because we hold the precepts of God as sacred. We hold the word of Christ as sacred. It would be the most convenient thing not to speak out against how people look at life. We don't have to speak about the sacredness of life. We don't have to make a stand on the sacredness of, 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 of life. Let's not talk about the sacredness of marriage. It's just causing a lot of people to get angry. Let's not talk about marriage uh, that, that God established between a man and a woman. Let's just not talk about that because it offends a lot of people. Why should we even do that? Wouldn't it be easier to just let people be and simply say, okay, well, you know, you know, to each his own, do whatever you want. Why do we need to make a stand in, that, in those areas? Let's not talk about the sacredness of human sexuality. Let a person decide what his sexuality is. We don't have to talk about that. Not to mention, you know, that God made all of us male and female. We don't need to talk about that. It's inconvenient. It offends people. And if it offends people, they're not going to come to Jesus because they got offended by your message. Let's not make people feel uncomfortable. And if they're uncomfortable with us, how in the world can they love Jesus if they feel uncomfortable with those who call Jesus their Lord? Loved ones, we speak out against these things because we love God. And if we love God, we have no choice but to love people and, and tell them the precepts of God. Tell them what God said. Why? Because we love them enough not to go through the perishing, the judgment that God says, I will put on you. My wrath is coming, says the Lord. My judgment is going to come. It's precisely because we love God and we love people. That's why we make a stand for the precepts that God has revealed to us. I want to tell you, uh, before I became a Christian, I didn't believe I was a sinner. A lot of people don't look at themselves as sinners, separated from God. I was one of them. I know many of you, you know, nobody wakes up in the morning and says to themselves, I'm a sinner separated from God. Nobody does that. We all believe that we're good enough for God. That's why we need to be confronted with the gospel. Because the gospel says, no one is good, no, not one. For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. That's an inconvenience to say to people because we don't really believe that we are sinners. But the Bible says that those who do not have that sacred relationship with God will perish. And if I don't love you and if you don't love me, let's just, for the sake of convenience, 
Let's just accept each other for how we are and who we are without regard to what God says, how we should be. That unless we know that God caused us to exist for His glory, we will never truly see what a successful life really looks like. Because it hinges on the sacredness of our relationship with God. Secondly, to pursue a sacred relationship with God, we must not just act according to God's precepts, but we must also be actively advancing God's purposes. That must also be our goal, to advance, to actively advance God's purposes. Look at the next verse. It says that Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. Hezekiah understood that the key to a successful life, to a successful rule, to a successful reign, has little to do with who he is, what talents he has, what gifts he has, his personalities, his experience in, in life. He has nothing to put on the table. He believes that it has everything to do with advancing the purposes of God. That's a commitment he made. That's a trajectory he pursued. He just, he just didn't carry it for himself. He made a stand so that the nation will know what God is looking for. God is looking for men and women to advance, to actively advance his purposes. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.